Uh, before I start in the last message in the series, I want to pick up on something that Kim said about these uh, new groups. Uh, I know that some of you, maybe you've been followers of Christ for a long time, and you kind of feel like, you know, I, I've got my foundations pretty well settled. I would plead with you especially <laughs> to go through, bear with us, and go through these three modules. Because what I've learned through the years is that sometimes we've uh, received information about the foundations of Christianity, but unfortunately, it's, it's, not, uh, it's not delivered in a linguistic style that's very current or very helpful when it comes to you understanding your faith and articulating it in a way that can be understood by others. And so I would plead with you, especially to feel like you're you know, veterans, to go through these three modules. It, it's some of the finest stuff that I've ever seen. It's, uh, it's kind of the FCF way. We feel like we've learned a little bit about communicating in our society today. So I would strongly, strongly urge you to go through it. And of course, if you're a brand new follower of Christ, it's ideal for you as well. So I uh, hope you'll consider that. All right. We're in the last message in the series. And uh, we come to this phrase, uh, time to keep silent and a time to speak. And... Um, you know, we all probably know people that are pretty talkative. Just curious, how many know some pretty talkative people? Yeah, yeah you're, you're not them, but you're, you know some. Yeah, but, but it says it's a time to keep silent and a time to speak. And some people feel like, well, they already have this down because when they get up in the morning, they start talking, and when they go to sleep at night, they're silent. And so they feel like they kind of got it down. Um, that's not exactly, it seems like, what the Creator had in mind. And then probably we all know people that, honestly, you have to pry a word out of them. And it almost seems to hurt them when they finally get it out. How many know those people? I had a funny conversation with this kid in their church. And it's so funny because he comes from an extremely talkative family. They will know who they are and they would own that And this boy does not speak. And so I'm trying to get a conversation going with him and you know, he just shakes his head and all like that. And I said, you don't talk much, do you? No, I don't talk. And, and really, I just couldn't pry a word out of him. Now, had I had more time, I probably could have gotten him talking. But uh, some people, it's just difficult. So you really look at this simple, this very simple principle, this experience that God wants us to go through. It's saying that he wants us to have the interior capacity, the ability to know when it's time to just not speak, and to be able to do it. And for some of us, self-included, that can be extremely hard. Extremely hard to keep from saying things. But there's a time when I should have the ability, the capacity, and the knowledge to know it's not time now. It is not the right time to say anything. And then again, God is saying, I should also have the capacity and the knowledge to know now it is time to speak up. And so... This is what this passage is really getting at. And just to show you what an important principle this is, if I can pull that James 1 up, up there. I'm skipping around. I'm making life uh, really difficult on them. But in James 1, it says, If someone thinks he is religious, yet does not bridle his tongue, time to speak, time to be silent, or time to be silent, time to speak, bridle his tongue, and so deceives his heart, his religion is futile. You know what that's saying? That's saying it doesn't matter how spiritual somebody may think they are. It doesn't matter how much spiritual knowledge they may think they have. In other words, they could literally have the Bible memorized. But if they still can't control what comes out of their mouth, their spiritual development is insufficient. And so this is a real serious thing. 
Now, in this series, we've said that there are certain experiences that God typically takes us through in life, and those experiences are meant to be developmental. And we've been going to the same passage in the book of Ecclesiastes, written by Solomon, a man that God gave more wisdom to than any other man that's ever lived. So let's go back one last time to Ecclesiastes. That'll be page 741, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, and we'll read a few verses from there as we've done each week. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. For everything, there's an appointed time and an appropriate time for every activity. And I strongly urge you on your own just to give that some thought because God wants us to recognize the times and seasons in our life so that we can seize them and do the appropriate things. He starts with these cycles. Verse 2, time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot what was planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to throw away stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give something up as lost, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to rip and a time to sow, a time to keep silent and a time to speak. And that's where we'll stop today. Now, I've said each week there's 14 of these cycles, and we don't all necessarily experience every single one of them, but we do experience most, and they're meant to develop us inwardly. And if we could go back to that slide, now, this is what's meant to happen. God, first of all, has given us the capacity as beings made in His image that we can have highly sophisticated, elevated awareness so that we understand the time and season in our life. He wants our awareness to grow, and then once we know what time and season it is, He wants us to take the appropriate action. And if we do that, if we know what time it is, what season it is, and take the appropriate action, that makes us what Scripture calls wise people. You take out any part, if we don't know what time it is, we're not going to be wise. If we, don't, if we know what time it is, but we don't take the appropriate action, we're not wise. Now, when we follow this, it does something inside of us. It catalyzes dormant developmental capacities. Because we are made in the image of God, we have the capacity to wear the image of God. The scripture says for those that have returned to God by putting their trust in Christ and becoming his follower, it says that God's going to continue to work with us, work within us until we are fully transformed to the image of Christ. That is your destiny. That is your God-given destiny. And once a person returns to God in trust by trusting Christ and becoming his follower, then then God's Spirit can start to work in us and change us. You become your unique self, the unique self that God created you to be, but a Christ-like version of yourself. That is your purpose in life. That is your destiny. That is a vision that is sufficient to carry you through every individual experience in life. One of these days I'm going to do a message, but, but I think that a lot of us are living with insufficient visions for our life. But that is one that will carry you through every season. In the hard seasons, in the good seasons, in the easy, and everything in between. If you know that every day, every second of your life, you have an opportunity and the capacity to grow, to be more like Christ. To be like He is and to do what He did. Well then, you're unfrustratable. You're, you're the person that can learn to be content in every, any and every situation. You're, you're kind of an unstoppable person. You can go through life, all of its ups and downs, all of its unpredictable essence, and still have enthusiasm, energy, joy, courage, hope, if you have a sufficient vision. So, 
one of the developmental components of this is something called self-control. We read in the book of Galatians in the New Testament, chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, that when the Spirit of God, when we're cooperating with the Spirit of God in this change process, one of the things we develop is self-control. And one of the hardest things to control are our mouths. And so when we come to this passage, a time to keep silent and a time to speak, there's an awful lot there. There, there. It's one of these things, it's easy to look at it and understand it on the surface, very hard to have it as an experience in our life. The ability, there are times when we just want so much to say something, but to not say it. Other times we may not want to say something or have a conversation, but we really need to be able to have it. So, to start with though, let me give you a little bit to think about that there, there are certain situations, certain topics that we should always be bold and courageous to speak about. When it comes to the truth about God and the truth about life, the gospel, the message of God's revelation of himself in Christ and the offer of forgiveness and eternal life to all who will return to Christ and trust, we should always be bold about that. We shouldn't let anything hinder us from ever sharing that message. In fact, just a couple of verses to get you focused on that. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 and 16, it says, but set Christ apart as Lord in your hearts and always, notice that word, always be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks about the hope you possess. Yet do it with courtesy and respect, keeping a good conscience so that those who slander your good conduct, conduct in Christ may be put to shame when they accuse you. Now, this verse is telling us that we ought to always be ready. When somebody says, hey, man, what, what's your deal? You know, you're different. What, 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 what's the thing with you? I don't get it. You're, you're kind of a different person. Or, or I know you do the church thing. Why do you do the church thing? You know, why is that important to you? You and I, if we are Christ followers, that verse says we should always, always be ready to give an answer. It is inexcusable. Listen to me now. It is inexcusable if we feel like we can't articulate the basic truths about our relationship with Christ. And if you feel inadequate to do that, all the more reason to go through that discipleship material that we're talking about. You may know it, but if you can't say it, you can't fulfill that verse. You're not ready to give an answer. There's a second verse I want to share with you. This is a situation where the apostles were being told by religious authorities after having been arrested, you must stop preaching and teaching in the name of Jesus. Here's their response. And they called them in and ordered them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, whether it's right before God to obey you rather than God, you decide. For it's impossible for us not to speak about what we have seen and heard. Now, we don't experience persecution too badly yet in this country of ours. But there are other parts of the world where Christians are forbidden to speak or teach in the name of Jesus in the Islamic lands. They could be killed because of the, uh, the apostasy clause if they happen to be a Muslim that has turned to Christ or if you happen to be a Christian and you're trying to lead other Muslims to Christ, you might lose your life because you are forbidden. But a Christian in those cases must find a way, uh, must find a way to share that truth. All right, so that's one time that we refuse to be silenced, Christians. Now, does this mean that when you're at your job and you're being paid to do at work, you should be blabbing about Jesus all day long? No. No, I hope you get fired if you do that. You're, you're, you're not helping God. You're not helping yourself. You're not helping your company. You should be the best worker that company has. You give 110%, and then you'll still get those opportunities to talk about Christ in the right way at the right time. But you shouldn't be just you know, blabbing about Jesus all day long when you're supposed to work. So we don't mean that. So 
Now let's come back to our text. A time to keep silent and a time to speak. And, and the first part of being able to do this, in other words, this calls for interior strength and a monitoring mechanism within my brain so that I know when it's time and I can speak and when I know it's time to be silent and I can do that. And so this calls first for us to observe, observe our situation, observe the people we're in, interacting with analytically. In other words, we, we ought to be really tuning in to our circumstance, to the people that are, uh, we're engaging with, involved with. You, you can't really know when it's time to shut up. By the way, that's another way we could describe this message. God's saying there's a time to shut up and there's a time to speak up. Okay, that's what it's saying. And some of us find it easier to shut up and some of us find it easier to speak up. So we, we all have ways to grow. But I'm not going to know, you're not going to know when it's time to be silent or time to speak up until I learn how to observe analytically the environment that I'm in at any given time. Now, this is going to sound a little complicated initially, but it's really not. Your brain is, is an amazing thing that God's given you, and you'll be able to, to size up things. You, you have capacities to develop your analytical sophistication of relationships and circumstances far beyond what you would ever dream so that you'll know when it's time to be silent, and when it's time to talk. But you won't be able to control those unless you start with observing your circumstantial relationships analytically. A verse that just kind of supports this whole idea, James chapter 1, verse 19. It says, Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, let every person be quick to what? Listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. Now, for some of us, listening is hard. Because, you know, we have a conversation kind of going on in our brain all the time. It's really hard. And, and, and when someone's talking, we're already finishing what it is they're going to say, and we're already answering in advance. So it's hard work to listen and to listen what I'm calling analytically. That means you're taking in a lot. You're, you're taking in not just what the person's saying, but their body language and, and what season is it in their life and what's their emotional state and what circumstances are going on. There's an awful lot. Okay, but James is urging us be quick to listen, be slow to speak. So that's a good starting point for us. There's a couple by the name of Liz Berry and uh, Bill Wenzel, and they're not, they're not married, but they're just partners in this uh, particular endeavor, and they've been doing this for about two or three years. It's kind of amazing. They will just park themselves on, you know, street corner somewhere, busy street corner in New York City or different parts of the country, and they put up this sign right here, talk to me. And they invite strangers to just come and talk to them about anything they want. You can see what it says. Seven days a week, they do this 12 or 13 hours a day. It's rather remarkable. I don't know where they get their money. They don't take, do they don't take donations or anything from the people they talk to. And when you read the stories, I'm telling you, people come and pour out their lives. Strangers to them. And they just listen. That's it. So the point I'm trying to make is there is, a, there is a hunger in the hearts of human beings to be listened to. There is a hunger in the hearts of human beings. They want to know that you and I are interested in them and interested enough to shut off our thoughts enough that we can really focus in on them. And this is a good place to start when it comes to knowing when it's time to speak and, and when it's time to be silent. There's a proverb that helps us in this. It's Proverbs 17, verse 27. It says, One with knowledge 
restrains his words. Now, for some of us that are very, very talkative, that's going to be harder than others. For some of us that don't ever say a word, you don't need to restrain your words. You need to pick it up a little. One with knowledge, though, restrains his words, and a discerning person stays calm. You see, to, to have this, this analytic mindset, to observe analytically, you've got to stay calm inside. You need objectivity. If you're always absorbed with what you're going to say next, you have no objectivity. You can't listen deeply to somebody, and therefore you'll never know, I'll never know when it's time to be silent or when it's time to speak. The heart of the righteous does what? Weighs, weighs its answers. It means that there's a mental process before something comes out of the mouth. There's engagement in the mind first. Now for some of us, again, mouth engages before mind. In fact, some of us, to be fair and sensitive about this, are verbal processors, meaning that our thoughts develop as we talk. I'm just curious, anybody in here a verbal processor? It's okay. I, I happen to be one, sort of, myself. And uh, for us that are verbal processors, it's a little hard to pause, weigh what we're going to say. If I could go back to that scripture. It says, the heart of the righteous weighs its answers, but the mouth of the wicked gushes evil. Uh, that, that's that idea. They just spew whatever's on their mind. They talk about whatever it is at all. So weighing our answers and sort of slowing down the process is very critical in being able to keep silent or to speak at an appropriate time. Now, there's a book that's been written, and it's kind of an odd title. It's called The Thing in the Bushes. <laughs> and uh, the two authors, Kevin Ford and James Osterhaus, um, they're writing from a corporate standpoint. They've studied a lot of corporations, and they say there's a typical problem that happens in corporations. The heads of the corporations, they know, they sense there's something big wrong, something wrong in the company, but no matter how hard they try, they can't see it. They don't know what it is. And often because the problem is actually a relational is what the book builds up about. But they, tell, they give you this one example where in this one particular company, the HR department was regularly complaining about it's too cold, it's too cold, it's too cold. So this company spent lots of money to redo the ductwork and to get heat down into the HR department. And no sooner did they get it fixed up, the people in the HR department were now complaining about something else. There's too much dust. There's too much this, too much that. So they were wondering, what is with these people? Are they just a bunch of brats? I mean, what is it? What just so happened that some exterior consultants happened to be in one day, and they told them about this problem. They went down and met with them and talked with them. And what they said, though, in advance to the corporate heads, they said a lot of times people speak in metaphors. They say in metaphorical terms what they're uncomfortable saying out loud. And what they were getting at is that, that what if by saying it's too cold, it's too cold, it's too cold, they were talking about something relationally within the company. Well, they went and they questioned the HR department. Sure enough, that's what it was. They felt that the other parts of the company that they had to interact with, that they were treated very coldly. And so it was a relational problem at heart, a communications problem. And so when we look at this thing, it calls for us to observe analytically we, we need to know what's, what's going on. What's the temperature like relationally? So I developed a few questions uh, that... Uh, actually, I'm, I'm skipping ahead too, more, too quickly. Let me go to another passage of Scripture, Proverbs 12, 18. And it urges us again to kind of watch our conversation. Speaking recklessly is like the thrust of a what? So I'm just curious. How many, how many know some people... They speak rest recklessly, and man, they hurt people. They, 
They just run people through. And they, a lot of times they don't even know it. They just go right on. Speaking recklessly is like the thrust of a sword. But the words of the wise, notice that wise words bring healing. Do you see someone who is hasty in their words? Notice again, they're, they're just spewing out words. There is more hope for a, what? Fool than for him or her. My addition. Because <laughs> it's not always just hymns. There was a study done, a Wall Street Journal article about a study done with husbands and wives. Researchers in the University of Iowa did six studies. They tracked 100 couples for the first seven years of their marriage. Both husbands and wives feel lower marital satisfaction when they are given too much, what? Advice from a spouse. Now, I won't ask you. (laughs) I won't ask you to raise your hands on this one. As opposed to too little. Unsolicited advice is the most damaging. It goes on. One way to give better advice is first to make sure your spouse actually wants your help. Men, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? You know, you know what I mean. Make sure your spouse actually wants your help. You can do this by asking a, by asking a novel idea. Would you like some ideas on that? <laughs> In other words, stop, listen, observe analytically. Sometimes listening can be even more effective than giving advice. Or instead of jumping in and giving advice, try telling them a story. This might not be appropriate for you, but what I did when I had a similar problem was thus and so. So this is, again, very helpful showing us that there's a time to be silent. Unsolicited advice damages relationships. here's, Here's the secret of this whole message. Truth of the matter is, We're very, very relational beings. We are love-driven beings made in the image of God. And your relationships and my relationships, in fact, your success or lack thereof in the work world as well, is going to be contingent on how effectively we use this communication ability that God's given us. The, The depth of our relationships are going to be determined by how well we use this communication gift. In other words, our relationships can suffer greatly If we're speaking when we should be silent. And our relationships can suffer greatly if we're silent when we should be speaking. Let me take it into the work venue. Some of us have always had trouble in the work world and we can't figure it out. It's a puzzle to us. But if somebody from the outside were to observe, they could see that we just say things that should not be said in the work world. Others would observe us and say, you know, you don't speak up enough. You have something to contribute. You have ideas, but you never take a risk. You never, you never speak up. Listen, we all know words, communication are powerful. You can start, you can start with a words, a relationship that will become the most powerful, lasting relationship in your life. One of the most valuable things you'll ever have. And you can end a relationship with words. You can start a war with words. It's been done all through human history. And thank God you can stop wars with words. So this, this capacity to control our speech and to know when. Is it time that I need to speak up? Is it time for me to be silent? This, this is bigger than what we might at first think on the surface. So I kind of scratched out some things that I've learned through the years. This is by no means you know, foolproof. And, and if this seems complex, let me, let me tell you something. You can, God's given you such an amazing capacity. You can absorb these concepts. Once you understand them, 
Once you've kind of broken them down, you can do this in an instant. As soon as you get into an, uh, an environment with somebody, you can instantly assess these things and size these things up. So here's a couple questions to ask. What's going on, first of all, before we, before we speak? What's going on here? Who's involved? What's the mental emotional state? We, we should be taking the temperature there. What positive outcomes are possible? In other words, if I'm going to speak up, what, what positive outcomes are possible? All these considerations, you, you can do it in a flash once you have these things embedded in your heart. Do I have anything beneficial to contribute? And then finally, do I need to say anything? Because sometimes the best thing I can contribute <laughs> is nothing. How many of you would say there have been times when you said some things but you live to regret it and you wish you had never said it at all? Can I see your hands? Okay. Now let me ask the other side. How many would say there have been things that you so wish you would have said but you never did? You never spoke up. You never expressed your mind. You never expressed your heart. And now you so wish you had it. Can I see your hands? You see, it's pretty even. This is really big. And folks, this is not a rehearsal. This is all the life we get. Who we become, it happens now. And where we go is dependent upon who we become now. So this is obvious stuff, but it's, it's larger than what we might typically think. So I tried to summarize the whole message in this little phrase. Well, did I get something wrong? I did. I did. <laughs> I, it's, it's my mistake, George. Let's go to that, and then we'll go back to that. My mistake. Nope. Let, let, let's go back. <laughs> now I've got you thoroughly confused. Yes, please stay there. <laughs> um, that, folks, that is my mistake. That was not our folks back there mistake. Uh, so here's the way I kind of summed it up. Listen attentively, which is really hard to do, and then speak, then speak graciously. And I'll kind of unpack that in the second point. Now let's go to that conversation. To show you how hard conversation is, communication, knowing when to speak, when to be silent, and just, just how even when you mean well, it can be really difficult to communicate. Follow this rather humorous conversation between a husband and a wife. Husband speaking, change don't come easily. Wife doesn't. She's trying to correct him. Husband, doesn't what? Wife, come easily. Change doesn't come easily. Husband, so you're agreeing with me. Wife, yes, but husband, then why didn't you just say I agree? Wife, but I. Husband, we're always arguing. Wife, I'm not arguing. Husband, yes, you are. Wife, no, I'm not. <laughs> husband, then what is it we're doing? Wife, honestly, I have no idea. <laughs> husband well whatever it is I'm sick of it and it needs to change wife to quote a wise man change don't come easily <laughs> husband exactly <laughs> we're going to mess up on this one folks uh, we're going to make errors along the way but I think if we at least become conscientious about this we can make amazing progress. Now, you're going to get something the first service didn't get. I forgot a very important secret that I wanted to tell them. And uh, I tried to weave it in in the closing prayer, but I did a poor job of it. 
<laughs> it's never the way to get your point in when you have forgotten it. <laughs> so I'm going to share this with you now. Here's the secret. Here's the key to being able to do this. God is present all the time. But I'm not aware of his presence all the time. Scripture teaches God is omnipresent. He is present all the time. It's just like oxygen is present in this room all the time, but we're not aware of it. We're not thinking about it. We're not focusing on it. One of the things we teach our music team in here, tell you a little secret stuff goes on, is that I envision all of you, because I'm human and this is the way I'll be, I envision people that come into the service and when you come in, you're rather distracted. You know, you've been hustling to get here and all kinds of things have happened and you're kind of, your mind is all over the place. And so I tell our musical team, this is what your, your job is, this is what your goal is. Your goal is to help our folks go from being distracted way out here to slowly keep moving them, moving them, moving them to a place of focus where they become aware of God's presence. You see, He's present. He's present all the time. He's present when I feel it, when I don't feel it. Remember that, some of you that are feeling oriented. He's just as present when you don't feel it as when you do. But the problem is me. I'm not always aware of His presence. Here's the secret that I've learned to this. The, the power we need, the pause we need, the capacity strengthening we need to be able to speak when we should, and be silent when we should, it comes from cultivating. Notice I use the term cultivating. He's always here, but I need to cultivate, remind myself, become aware regularly of God's presence. And the more aware of God's presence I am, that means that I'm speaking with, in essence, Jesus standing beside me. I'm speaking from God to you. And with Jesus' presence as a strong awareness to me, to you, you will find new power for pause. And you will find new courage also to speak up when it's time to speak up. That is the secret uh, to this, this whole phenomenon. Apart from Christ and an intimate relationship with Him and cultivating awareness of His presence, He's always present, it's just that you and I are not aware of it. We need to remind ourselves, remind ourselves until it becomes just normative. Frankly, folks, I'm going to tell you, you can get to a place in your Christian journey where you know God's presence all the time. You're very busy at other tasks, and you're still aware of God's presence all the time. Everything you do, you, you're doing from the presence of God. And that creates this, this monitoring system that I'm not, I'm not convinced we can control our speech very well without that happening. Okay, so let me go on. So once we observe analytically, we need to communicate appropriately. Listen to what Jesus said in Luke 6.45. If our heart is bad, our words are going to be bad. He said, the good person out of the good treasury of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasury produces evil. For his mouth speaks from what fills his heart. Jesus is saying, we can reverse this. If you want to know what's filling a person's heart, just listen to their conversation. What do they talk about? What do they spontaneously talk about? What are they interested in? What is their, their treasured, most treasured subject? And you'll find out what's in their heart. So our hearts and our intents have to be right first. If my intent in speaking is that I want to make my point, I want to be heard, I want to be right, I want to prove how smart I am, I want to prove that I'm right, if that's my goal, I may win, I may get my point across, I may even win the argument, but I'll probably lose 
I'll lose something in the relationship because I have the wrong goal. The intent of my heart has to be, I'm here to serve. I'm here to bless. I'm here to contribute. I want to help you. I want our relationship, if possible, to be pleasant. I want it to be mutually uplifting to each of us. If that's my goal, well, then probably sometimes I just need to shut up. It might be better. Listen to me. Some of you are going to hate this because I hate it. It might be better to lose an argument. It might be better sometime when you know you're right just to sit there and shut up even though somebody else is wrong and you're letting them talk in a way that you know is not right. It's just better sometimes to lose the battle and win the relational war. Now, Randy, you say, Randy, you're telling me I'm supposed to be like a doormat? I'm just never supposed to speak my mind? I'm never, just let people push me around? If any of you know me, I'm not that guy. I'm telling you, I've never lived that way. I'm nobody's doormat. I don't let anybody push me around. Never have, never will. That's not what I'm saying. But I have learned the hard way, I might add, the hard way sometimes to not have to speak my mind not have to make my point, not have to win the argument, not have to prove that I'm right or smart, which I'm not. And, and so sometimes it's just better to be silent. And only that closeness with God will help you and I to know those times. And then there's times that you must speak up and I must speak up. Again, that's something that, you know, living very close to God helps us to know the when. Listen to this verse from Proverbs. It says, The heart of wise people... The hearts of wise people guide their mouths. There's an interior, in other words, after I've observed analytically, now I'm, I'm you know, assessing the situation, I'm ready to speak wisely. The, their words make people want to learn more. That's a great verse. I've kind of dedicated my life to it. Uh, Proverbs 16, 23. The words, the, their words make people want to learn more. I've tried my best to figure out how to communicate all my life in a way that people want to learn more. And you can do that. I mean, every one of us has that God-given capacity to develop that. Here's one more from Proverbs. Proverbs 15, it says, A person has joy in giving an appropriate answer. We can, we can answer appropriately or communicate appropriately after we've observed analytically. A person has joy in giving an appropriate answer and a word at the right time how good it is. So, let me give you one last verse from Ephesians that I think kind of sums all these up. Paul writing to followers of Christ living in Ephesus, and he writes these words. He says, you must let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth. The word unwholesome there, it takes in a lot. It's the original word It's used for like fruit or vegetables that have spoiled. It's saying, don't let anything that's not going to be beneficial or good come out of your mouth. That includes profanity and gossip and and just stuff that's not helpful to somebody. You must let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth, but only what is beneficial for the building up of the one in need, that it may give grace to those who hear. Now, this calls for a mental scanning, a process. We, we have to monitor our words. Is this going to be helpful for the person? Is it the right person? Is it the right time? Do I have the right information? And so on. And so here's a couple more pieces that I put together to sort of help you in this, I hope. Ask ourselves, is this the right time? Does this need to be said now? Is it really the optimum time to say this? Am I the right person? Maybe it would be better if it comes from somebody else and not me. Sometimes that's the case. Do I have the right attitude and tone? That's critical and not always easy to come to. And can I say it warmly and clearly? This, I think, is, is where the rubber meets the road. Can I say it with warmth and can I say it with clarity? 
If, if, if I'm saying what I'm saying, driven by emotion, listen to me carefully, if I'm hot about this thing, if I'm stirred, too stirred up about it, if I'm too motivated about it, I probably should be quiet until I can say it warmly, respectfully, clearly. You don't have to listen, but I've kind of learned this one the hard way too many times. Probably will again in the future. So with these pieces of this in mind, uh, observing analytically and communicating appropriately, helping us to know when it is time to keep silent and when it's time to speak. Let me kind of close us out with um, a story that John Ortberg, John Ortberg tells. It's actually kind of a funny uh, example that he gives because I, I think perhaps I've given some of you the impression that we should, we should not speak the truth, and yet Ephesians 4.15 says speak the truth in love. So I want you to be bold but I want you to be conscientious, and that's what Scripture would urge us to be. But Ortberg says this. He says, imagine going to the doctor's office for a checkup. The doctor says to you, you're a magnificent physical specimen. You have the body of an Olympian. You are to be congratulated. Later that day, while climbing the stairs, your heart gives out. You find out later your arteries were so clogged that you were like one jelly donut away from the Grim Reaper. <laughs> You go back to that doctor and you say, why didn't you tell me? The doctor says, well, I knew your body is in worse shape than the Pillsbury Doughboy. But if I tell people stuff like that, they get offended. And it's bad for business. And they don't come back. And then listen to this next phrase. I want this to be a safe place where you feel loved and accepted. That, that line is being legitimized in society today. That above all, people should feel loved and accepted, whatever that requires of you or me. Even if it means not speaking the truth. I don't buy that. I want this to be a safe place where you feel loved and accepted. You'd be furious. You'd say to the doctor, when it comes to my body, I want the truth, right? So the truth is paramount. He goes on to say this finally. When something matters to us, we do not want illusory comfort based on pain avoidance. We want truth. So I think it's important to balance out everything I've said that we don't want to shrink back into silence to the point that we're no longer courageous and bold to share the truth. But we need to go through that process so that we at least have the capacity to stay silent if it's not the right time, if we don't have the right words, if we don't have the right attitude, if we don't know enough about what we're talking about, and God bless our hearts, sometimes we think we know it all, and we don't. Some of us, we're passionate because we haven't had enough circles around the sun about things. You get a few more circles around the sun, a few more years under your belt, and some things start to look a little different than what they might look initially at some younger periods in your life. So it calls for balance and wisdom. So in closing, let's just look at this thing very practically. Some of us probably in here need to get along with God and do business because we just frankly talk too much. <laughs> we haven't figured out how to be silent at the right times. And so we need to get along with God and kind of work on that. And then there's some of us, man, we've been depriving ourselves of the feeling of being loved and connected. We've been depriving other people in our lives of the feeling of being loved. 
We've been depriving ourselves of career opportunities because we don't speak up when we should. We need to speak up. And so here's the Lord saying, you know, I want to help you today to start developing in this way. So which, which of those do you suppose? And I'm, I'm believing that all of us have a balance issue, that we're always trying to kind of balance these two out. Which do you suppose God might want you to kind of put the most emphasis on today? And can we close? There's a, a verse, Psalm 141, verse 3. It's a prayer that I think we can all make. It says, Lord, help me control my tongue. Help me be careful about what I say. Uh, I need that, and I suspect that all of us could use that prayer as well. So let's close out with that prayer in mind. Father, we thank you this morning that you've given us this extraordinary gift of the ability to communicate. Uh, we know that when people communicate to us, it can change our internal world and our external world, and you've given us the power to do the same with others. So we pray that you would just work in each of us and help us to see where we need to kind of get recalibrated, where we need balance. Are we those that need to speak less, hold our tongue more? Are we those that need to open our mouths more, be courageous, be vulnerable, share our feelings? share our thoughts. Father, speak to us and help us to take these practical steps knowing that this is what it's about to be spiritual people, spiritually mature people made in your image, made for your, your glory and your honor. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.